0: Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne.
1: I'm Kevin. I'm Carl. Summarize away.
0: So Pastor Danielle started off by talking about her memories of Sunday dinner with her grandparents and aunts and uncles, and kind of led that into talking about the larger meal we have with Jesus, um, and kind of and looping it back to Jesus's dinner with the disciples before he was crucified. And at that dinner, Jesus gave us the final commandment to love one another uh, without exception or conditions. And Pastor Danielle kind of goes into how that that is pretty much an impossible task for us as being only human. Um, But through the Holy Spirit, everything is possible. And that love without condition or without exception is the love that Jesus gives us. Um, She also talks about the larger God's table as we are kind of experiencing now and will experience later that includes everyone that has been and will be. Uh, Since this is a combo Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday podcast, uh, Pastor Danielle also gave us a mini sermon today where she was uh, comparing the deaths of Stefan Clark in Sacramento and the Palestinian activists in Israel and Palestine to the death of Jesus now and talking about how Jesus is still with us and people are still living out the faith and living out similar crucifixions to what happened then.
2: And I think that this really dovetailed nicely with one another, uh, having the two services back to back and the sermons flowing to talking about an analogy of past meals, and sharing times, and the times that the disciples shared with Jesus during the Last Supper into present day, and how at the end of the first sermon, we talked about how Jesus was still among us. And then on the Good Friday service uh, mini-sermon, we had the analogy of current people who are leading Jesus-like lives, and showing how Jesus is among us, and uh, showing love and compassion for other people yeah because
1: all all of this did happen you know two thousand or so years ago, and I do I, whenever I'm coming into Holy Week, I do find myself thinking about like isn't it strange that we every year we kind of re we relive this story, and people have been doing it for you know two thousand years, but it happened that long ago, and I think it's refreshing that sense of why how it relates to today,
0: yeah, and I think that. That is why we keep re-creating it, because it still resonates with us, because there's still something there that we find true and find relatable. I was actually thinking about that throughout the um, whole passion, was how in different points in time I could relate to so many of those people.
2: I was just about to say something similar in that hearing the stories year after year, depending upon where you are in your life, you see new things. I was saying how the sermons were very personal to me because I've recently lost many of my family members, and I was feeling very alone. But hearing Pastor Danielle talk about how Jesus is with us, I thought, I am truly never alone because Jesus is with me and I have a community at church and in the greater good. And then hearing about people today who are leading a life similar to uh, how Jesus led and leading by examples, we even see that in our extended family and in our community at large. In
1: some earlier sermon, I I remember talking about the sense that you can have community, you can have people that care about you. You know, whether it's physical people or the, the presence of God with you and become kind of blind to it or numb to it. And man, how, how different life looks, you know, and feels when I can really become fully aware of all the people that are, I'm connected to in my life, you know, as opposed to the people who aren't around or the things that my, my life is lacking. It, it's really powerful to, for me to grow, to grow my sense of that.
2: And I think is reenacting it every year and going through the story every year, it reminds you that way. So many times it reinforces you because in today's society, sometimes we forget about those things. And it's nice to have the constant reminder uh, in your life. I think it takes less than a year to forget a lot of the <laughs> <laughs>
1: truths and, uh, and reminders in, in the Passion and in, in the Holy Week story you know and i i don't think that's to, to like fault myself or anyone but just life moves really fast and especially today this you know we we're bombarded with so many messages and demands and needs that um it's hard to it's hard to stay rooted in anything
2: um Absolutely. It takes practice. It it makes me think of the new year when you make your resolutions and you're going to go to the gym, and then by March you're not going to the gym and eating your hot dogs and drinking your Diet Coke, right? So this uh, our our Holy Week, our Super Bowl, is kind of uh, resetting our dial to maybe um, think more about Jesus and the sacrifices that he made for us and how we can make sacrifices for other people and lead a uh, more Christian life. Speaking of the challenge of this, uh, one
1: piece of yesterday's Monday Thursday sermon I wanted to get into is there's this section in the middle where Pastor Danielle asks, um, and she's talking about the this, you know, inst- as opposed to the physical table that she sat at with her family at the beginning, she's talking now about this kind of more abstract table that We are still sit at like the disciples with Jesus, and she asks, Who else would be at your table? and she begins lift, uh, she begins listing like heroes, lovers, friends, and then she adds kind of sarcastically, People who agree with me. Uh, and then at that point, it turns and she says, You know, also the betrayer, also the coward, also the enemy is at the table, also the people that you struggle with or who annoy you or don't like ending with saying whether or not we want them there, whether or not they want us there, we still, you know, Jesus invites all of us to the table and, and we're all there together. So the table kind of asks a lot and presents a challenge. That turn really caught me by surprise and, and stood out to me in the sermon. I'm, I'm wondering what maybe you guys
2: thought of that. I, I had a similar experience um... And it was like a light going off. Thinking that's true. We can't just have. We don't have a world where everyone agrees with us. Everyone sees. But as we were talking about earlier, New York is a good example of that. We're all trying to exist together harmoniously. And I I think that by having people at the table who don't necessarily agree with you, uh, who may not want to be down, may not want to sit down with you, it helps uh, reinforce your spirit of of giving and graciousness and tolerance, which are all lessons that I think Jesus taught us as well. And many times we need those people as a foil to make us feel, uh, make us understand what is the right thing to do. I feel that way. Uh, and something I was saying earlier also is that, you know, most people want to be happy and they want to do things with a joyous heart, but sometimes the message gets lost or they're lost. And just trying to have patience and understanding, I think, is important. And that's, I think, sometimes what revitalizes me about this time of year, thinking about what Jesus went through and what the message is and what our promise is. I think that's a a good message that uh, can help jumpstart uh, the year in the middle of the year.
0: Yeah, that. Kind of who's at that table and also kind of link that back to Jesus's commandment to love uh, has made me think about something that I've heard a number of times, but something I'm still working on is how to see everyone, including people I don't like or disagree with, as children of God. And I think one turning point for me with that was when I was in college and uh, ended up being able to find a church, it was very conservative and I had grown up in a very liberal church. And so just seeing these people that before I only had a very kind of stereotypical image of growing up in the Northwest, it's easy not to be around a lot of conservatives. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But seeing their humanity and being in community with them. And as you were saying, Carl, about seeing that they just wanted happiness was kind of a really humanizing moment even though there was still this tension that we had some very strong and very serious disagreements it was still kind of a moment to say we both are children of god and in community here with each other
2: i liked um uh specifically in the service, uh, in the Monday service, where we gave the host and wine to each other around the table. And to me, that really reinforced uh, the sermon, and it also reinforced the idea of giving of yourself and to your neighbor. Some of the people around the table, the six people around the table, I knew. Some I didn't. They were new to me. It was a very intimate moment to to share communion with people that intimately around a table. I thought that was a really nice way of bringing home the message that we're talking about. I agree that
1: that was a moment in the service that really stood out to me. And and if you weren't there, what it looked like was that it was kind of like a, it was a rectangular table, kind of like it was made to be sort of like the table that you see at like the last supper paintings, you know, just except not with everyone on one side. Um, But it was a table, it was set and, groups of, yeah, six uh, of everyone there were invited to go up one by one and to have communion together, um, similar to how the disciples might have. Yeah, I, I I was seated. I know the person who I gave communion to was someone I knew, but at the same time, like I hadn't known them in that context. You know, so how many times have we kind of like rushed by each other on a Sunday morning? And yeah, it was, it was great to really see like, okay, here's here's right now, concretely, one person I'm sharing this table with, how can I see them as a child of God and, and show love in this moment? And, and it was, I, I looked at them differently in that moment than I had at other points of,
2: of knowing them. I definitely know how I felt a little uncomfortable doing it as well yeah. um yeah. it was interesting uh I, I remember being a child and 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 pretending a potato chip was the host with my sister and my mother yelled oh, at us it. so i had flashbacks of that you know <laughs> uh, but it was uh it was, it was quite poignant it was interesting yeah. uh how how i felt um gracious and nervous at the same time
1: yeah i b- before we get too far away i want to circle back to a thought i had about uh your example, Deanne, of, of the being at the more conservative church. Cause one of those examples I've come across before where it feels kind of like it feels like religious inception. Like the because I imagine some of the things that y- you didn't see eye to eye with some of these people about were theological things about the nature of God and the church in the world. Is that right? Yeah. Is that assumption generally right? Yeah. So so it's interesting that you know you're thinking about now what do, what what do i believe god is telling me uh about how we should be church together even if what we think about god isn't the same and that's just like it's kind of mind boggling um uh, but also really really cool that i think some of these some of these things uh can transcend i, mean, I don't think All the early Christian communities probably agreed about everything. And uh, some of these things, you know, these examples that Jesus laid uh, down for us were very likely to help community happen despite that.
2: Absolutely. And if you think about today how many different denominations there are in the world, Uh, in New York, uh, four corners, there could be four different churches, all worshiping the same God but differently, Uh, hopefully living harmoniously.
0: Yeah, part of that tension, part of what I realized in that conservative church was still kind of how we ultimately fall short, where it kind of ended up falling into the same trap that a lot of churches have of it had one theology that was so strong, it was very difficult to counter that theology. Hmm. And I don't feel like that's kind of the perfect or truest representation of christianity or god's kingdom or that kind of stuff where disagreement can live in harmony with each other but it was more the because so many people thought about theology and about certain things in one specific way that that was everybody was just kind of assumed to think that way and it there wasn't even room for disagreement because you never assumed somebody would disagree with this
1: interesting yeah so the the assumption becomes kind of silencing
2: for mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't fit it yeah okay that is interesting uh we had a talk after church and uh they were talking about how in some lutheran churches they aren't as progressive as advent is with accepting certain changes in society and i i Laughed. I feel stupid for saying it, but I was like, "Really? What do you mean? Every Lutheran church is it?" Having grown up in New York and lived in New York all my life, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's one church. How could yeah. it be different? You aren't
1: down with having a lesbian pastor preach, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: I was like, "What do you mean? Like every church doesn't allow gays and lesbians and isn't part of reconcile in in Christ, like." And uh, yeah. it was really eye-opening, and then people around the tape were like, well, I come from Arizona, and they would never allow that, and I come from Wisconsin, and they would never allow that, and it really stunned me, because I just thought the Lutheran Church was very progressive, and since it was, quote-unquote, law by the synod, every church accepted it. Yeah. Uh, so it was really interesting.
0: That's, yeah, I saw a list, I don't think it was complete, but it was a the majority of the um, Protestant denominations in order from most liberal to most conservative and the two largest Lutheran denominations, the um, ELCA, which we're in, and the LCMS church. um, The ELCA was like in the top five of the most progressive or liberal churches. And the LCMS church was in like the top five of the most conservative churches
1: very polarized.
0: Yeah. There's also, of course, the smaller or unaffiliated Lutheran churches who have split off from either denomination for various things they disagree with, um, including when uh, kind of where you're saying the reconciling piece came in on the um, national level, which didn't require churches to be reconciling Christ, but said kind of the overall denomination will be that did cause a split.
1: Yeah, I I knew someone whose whose church left the ELCA when the decision uh, came. Not even, and yeah, it wasn't even to you know require that churches would call a gay or lesbian pastor, but just that churches that they could, and that it was up to each church to make their own decision. For some, for some congregations, that was too radical. And they, they people left. were
2: sharing that story at this um, lunch yeah. and learn as well, how they had heard people leaving the church or uh, the church leaving the ELCA or whatnot. Yeah. Which, again, for me, growing up in New York and being at very liberal, progressive churches, it was uh, very eye opening.
1: Which I, I wonder, you know, coming back to this table that Jesus. Sits out with everyone. I was just thinking that too. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to. Um, well, what what does that mean for you know not just people that we personally disagree with, but for these
2: uh, you know groups of Christian churches that don't see eye to eye? I think both yeah. of us need to have love and compassion for each other and being like christ and accept them all even the people we don't agree with and the people Mm -hmm. that we do agree Mm -hmm. with that should be at our table
0: yeah kind of going back to what you were saying about like the um the silencing and i think that's a really good metaphor for kind of what was happening being in conservative churches and i think this definitely can happen in liberal churches too if we can end up accidentally silencing people we disagree with and i mean I know that was part of the reason while I was in the conservative church, I was not out as gay because I knew that would not be accepted and that would not be kind of, yeah, basically accepted. So then, and and that was just a moment of humanity and a moment of sinfulness in the church because we're still human. And as even though kind of we know Christ's message and Christ's last commandment to love without condition or without exception, that's, we always fall short.
2: And I think that's actually a beautiful, that's beautiful of you. And in a way, very Christ very Jesus-like of you, because you wanted to be respectful of this more conservative setting that you were in. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to choose not to pick a, a fight, right? Even though it's so easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, point out that, you know, Jesus sat with um, uh, prostitutes and, and, you know, and as a Christian. Uh, I have similar problems sometimes when people hear I go to church, they're like, oh, but you're gay. And I'm like, <laughs> and my life isn't a Christian life? I, like, honor my parents. I don't lie. I volunteer. I donate. Like, I go to church. Like, what's not Christian about my life? Well, you're gay. And I'm like, well, I don't really believe that that means I can't be a good Christian. so Mm
0: -hmm.
2: all the different perspectives hopefully jesus would have had me at the table (laughs) i believe it thanks 100 it's it's,
1: yeah it's crazy that people think that those two things are like incompatible or something
2: i well if you're a fundamentalist maybe but that's not the religion that i'm in yeah
1: you know at, at the beginning when we were talking about how like why do we do this every year? I thought about how in literature there's you know something called a Christ figure, and talks about all these pieces of literature that have used this kind of st- this uh, gospel of Christ dying on the cross as like an archetype for different characters in literature, and you know th- that popping in my head made me think of how like these these modern day people who are you know som- um, sometimes dying for causes they believe in and for for helping and loving their neighbors and standing up for the justice of all people, you know, like things like that, things like how we experience people being at the table today and taking communion, it kind of is this like, it's just replaying of this, in in literature we call it like an archetype of this original kind of blueprint that uh, has been laid down in the gospel. And um, I, I can get a feel how this is something that we are continually living. And it's, like, it's almost like even though in our timeline it happened thousands of years ago, it's, it's because it's God's story, it's something that transcends time.
0: That reminded me of in high school, I watched a documentary about people who chose to become nuns. And for like a hot second, I would consider becoming a nun. Um, but just because they so fully and completely dedicated their life to God. And I thought that was really admirable. But then I was also thinking kind of about like the passion today and about Peter um, denying that he knew Jesus. And it's like, I, I, I want to be Jesus. I want to be the kind of person who would die for my beliefs. But when am I Peter? When am I rejecting them? Oh, yeah. For the sake of like social norms or my own safety.
1: I've been Peter recently. In, in life because, um, you know, for the past couple of years I've lived in Brooklyn where a lot, r- currently in a particular area of Brooklyn Bushwick where a lot of 20 and 30 somethings live, a lot of artists, not a lot of religion in that area, a lot, a lot of atheism, a lot of um, agnostics or like people who have, who have either been burned by the church in their past or, um, or have just, it doesn't, at a certain point, the version they presented didn't uh, match their view of the world, um, either because, it, you know, the denomination or, or whatever. So being in that context, it, you know, for a time, it was very difficult for me to come, you know, come out and say, like, I work at a church, I'm a Christian, because I knew there were just so many assumptions that would come with that. And I'd have to explain, but like, no, but we don't like hate immigrants and gay people and trans people and like all, all, of this stuff, which is like, that is very much valued in the 20 something, 30 something culture. in in Bushwick, um, it took me a while to figure out how, how to speak to that in a way that was comfortable for me and comfortable for other people too. Um, but I was never, I never felt great about not bringing it up and not being able to talk about this important part of who I am. And the more I am, the the better it feels. And I find that like a lot of times, People actually kind of do want to talk about it, if you know the nature of the world. Even even if they, even if they don't uh, believe in God, they kind of they kind of do want to chat about it and, and share their thoughts or ask questions if the space is opened up. So, New York has no of lack
2: of opinions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Amen. Uh, I'm glad that you have people that are willing to chat with you about it, as opposed to, you know nail into you for for uh, participating in organized religion yeah because okay. uh, i think that that that's as i said earlier that's common with a lot of people they have these views of religion that sometimes is a fundamentalist judgy preachy want to convert as opposed to what i like to think of as more loving embracing all-encompassing religion yeah which i i have found that many of the Lutheran churches in in New York are, um, other denominations are as well. It's just that's my my experience. So I'm only speaking from my experience. And um, as Dianne was saying earlier, like it, in a church, you would think that that would be you know the common and the go to. Uh, especially after we just heard uh, two sermons about that, uh, about yeah, every, everyone being at the table, <laughs> everyone being at the table, yeah. even some of the people you weren't expecting at the table. So, yeah. yeah,
1: Amen. But you know, I, I, I like. I'm picturing this table of of you know all these different people, diff- different views, different abilities, different, you know, different everything, and, and it, it's kind of a cool. That's that's
2: the church I want to be a part of. At the end of the day, and knowing wherever your your life takes you, you're always welcome at the table. Yeah, yeah.
1: Despite you know, yeah, marital status, Des- social status. Yeah. Despite whatever I'm insecure about, absolutely that that's really comforting. But also, I, I it's a comfort and a challenge at the same time. You know, I I, I, I also have a challenge. I hope you know I just I hope to be able to um you know to to see all people you know that I'm that I'm passing in the city that I that I encounter in whatever context to kind of in the back of my mind see them in that context more you know to see even if the the physical immediate context is different to remember that you know this is a person I'm I'm sharing the table with you know some someone who I believe, you know, Jesus invites to be part of the community and that, that God loves and, and God made, and I should love too.
2: As you mentioned it, I think of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I forget about that that situation as well. Yeah. So I guess, you
1: know, typically we wrap up with like a takeaway from the sermon, an actionable thing, and and that would be, that would probably be mine to kind of, Respond to the gratitude of being at the table with by um, remembering, you know, that everyone else is is there, too. And kind of viewing people as like a a dinner, a dinner uh, pal accompaniment as opposed to like, you know, the many other ways they can be viewed in New York City, like just a
2: person in your way or an annoying person or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the takeaways for me is that Jesus is always with us. Uh, and even though the table may look empty, uh, Jesus is always there and uh, we can see that in some modern day examples, um, that Pastor Danielle mentioned and, uh, that was comforting for me because I, I wasn't thinking that way. I was thinking of my own everyday burden and, uh, thinking about that, uh, made me feel better.
0: Mine is pretty similar to yours, Kevin. Uh, a quote I remembered a quote of a previous sermon I heard a couple years ago that kind of has been sticking with me which is nothing including heaven hell or the bible should stop us from loving our neighbor how how can I be more loving to people how can I feel secure in the love that Jesus is giving me and God's giving me and then through that be able to kind of open up my heart and love the people around me Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9am and 11am in English and 1230 in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.